in three, two, one. Do you ever feel stuck and feel like you're sinking into mental quicksand? Does it often feel like you're on a hamster wheel, doing the same thing every day and getting nowhere? To help us understand how we can maintain our motivation, live more consciously, and continue our journey to our long-term goals is the mayor of motivation, Eric Collier. Eric, welcome to the program. We're delighted to have you. Thanks, Michael. I'm glad to be here. Really excited about this interview. Thank you. Oh, me too. Me too. Hey, you know what? Really, you're known as the mayor of motivation. I know you're an international keynote speaker and you bill yourself as a mental quicksand expert. And we're going to talk all about that today with our audience and what that means. But before we get there, how did you get to where you are? Okay. You're not, you don't wake up one day and going, Hey, I'm going to be a speaker or I'm going to be a best-selling author, which you've achieved both of those things. How did you get to where you are today? Right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mike. I am really excited. I'm glad you asked me about it because I'm really excited about where I am today. A two-time international bestseller author, like you said, and an international speaker. But there was a time where that wasn't the case. And I was just kind of what you call wandering around with no idea where I was going to end up. I wanted something different, but because I didn't know how to do it, I was playing short and I never did. And so one day I met a guy who introduced me to the fact that I was the reason I was holding me back and that I had the power to change things. And from that point on, I've built the confidence up to start doing the things that I want to do. And so that's why I talk about mental quicksand, because that's where I was stuck and trapped. And I didn't take those opportunities because of the things that I was telling myself. And so once I started working through those things, my game started changing. Well, if we go back a little bit, just in high school, I know I've read some of your stories and heard you speak on walking by the wrestling room and you <laughs> hear, a, hear a nasty coach yelling things, but the, the lessons that are learned from that. And then I know you're a baseball, I was a baseball player as well. And I know you're a baseball player Ooh. and I think you got invited to camp and those were pivotal events in your world. Those things kind of were the impetus or started you on that journey. Yes. Yes. I, you know, I started playing ball baseball and football at six. And one of the things my parents always told me was, we don't have the money to get you started and then for you to quit. So the one thing they always told me was, you can't quit no matter what happens, no matter how much you don't like it, no matter how hard it is, you can't quit. And so I started doing that. But I realized when I got there, I didn't want to just be on the team I wanted to play. And so I worked my butt off so I could start getting on the field. And as I started getting better, I started identifying with where I wanted to go. And baseball was the choice. And so I worked really hard and got a chance to walk on at a junior college and try out for the Cincinnati Reds. But because of the lack of commitment in the classroom, I found myself behind the curve with a lot of events and a lot of things and a lot of the commitment that I needed to get better at my skill. And so I carried that through college. And that's why I only got the one shot at Cincinnati. Right. Well, you should have tried the Blue Jays. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, that desire to play, that desire right. to be in the game, to be in the arena. That's important to me because I don't like sitting on the sidelines. No. But again, like I mentioned earlier, there was a point where once I didn't get a chance to play baseball, Major League Baseball, I lost who I was. I didn't know that I had the intellect, the skill set to be able to stand in front of an audience and motivate and inspire people. I didn't know that I could sit at Columbia University and talk to an audience that would be interested in what I had to say. And so I just didn't believe in myself. And so that that changed the game. Like I said, once I realized the power that I have inside of me to escape that mental quicksand. And I love the metaphor of mental quicksand because I think most of us get stuck in it no matter what. 
I remember prior to the pandemic, we looked at launching a podcast. We're in season two now. And it always made me nervous because public speaking, getting on stage, with that was the comfort zone. Yes. Doing this was not a comfort zone. And then you use a key word in a lot of your training and your teaching and coaching is once you make the commitment and it's all about commitment. Talk about commitment and how you develop that philosophy. Because I think that's that's the key to it right there. People waffle, they back for it, but they just don't commit. Right. And that's the big step you have to take, right? Is that commitment. I knew what I wanted to do, but like I said, because I didn't know how to do it, I left it at that. Or if somebody told me that I need to dial my dreams back, I left it at that. But that commitment was the big one that you had to overcome because now once you step into the arena, you got to perform. And so it's those horrors on the other side of that door of opportunity (laughs) that you start thinking about. If I step in there, they're really going to beat me up. Somebody's going to knock me out. Somebody's going to laugh at me. I'm going to look really bad. I'm not going to be able to accomplish what I want to accomplish. And it's those things that you have to get over to actually open the door and walk through. And when you realize that it's on the other side of the door where where you want to live and that you can do what you want to do. You can become what you want to become if you just take the shot. I was sitting in the room. I worked for a defense contractor and I'm sitting in a room with a guy and we're talking about the things that we want to do. And it was the funniest thing because I told him I wanted to be a speaker, learn from Les Brown, work with Les Brown. And he said, well, why aren't you doing it? And I gave him all the reasons and excuses that I thought were the reason valid to not doing it. He goes, well, sooner or later, you just got to do it. I'm like, you're right. You're right. Uh, exactly. Just do it. <laughs> I think it's important for our audience to know too. You're an army and Navy veteran. You served for over eight years and more than that, about 10 years or so and worked in engineering and all kinds of things. So you know what that looks like, but to that point of committing and just doing it, I know we're both boxing fans and you've learned some lessons from boxing. I love what you have to say about boxing and the metaphor of the box. I think that's a good place for us to go now. Right. Oh, wow, man. That's why I I titled my website One Momentum Shift, because that's really all you need. When you find yourself down and out, I say adversity sets the stage from which great feats have been performed. So when you find yourself down and out, that's when you just got to keep pushing and keep swinging to turn things around. One of my favorite things, like I said, boxing is, man, 2013, I'm watching Timothy Bradley and Ruslan Provodnovich. Turns out to be the fight of the year. And Timothy Bradley's the champ. Everybody did not pick him to win. They wanted Ruslan Pavadnovich to win because they say he's got power. Hands of steel. From round one to round three, Ruslan just dominated Timothy Bradley. He was out on his feet at times. He didn't know what was going on. But from round four to round 12, this man came back recovered and won the fight. Even after getting knocked down in 12, he still won the fight because he kept swinging. He kept moving. He kept getting up every time the bell rang and coming to the ring to to say, hey, look, I'm not going anywhere. And what happens when you keep swinging, you start landing punches that affect the opponent. And not only that, you start building your confidence. And what happens is the opponent becomes confused. Hey, man, I'm giving this man the kitchen sink. He's not falling down. And when you do that, the momentum shift changes. And now the ball starts rolling in your favor and you take over the fight. And that's what it's all about for me. Yeah, Perseverance, persistence. Yep. Get up. And you're talking about they don't walk into the ring and go, boy, I hope I survive this round. No. They're coming out with killer instinct, right? Killer instinct. Yeah. I've only been to one big fight. My dad was a boxing fan and we took him to Mike Tyson's fight. And I thought, let me go get you a drink and a soda and a hot dog. I go and get the drink and the hot dog. I come back. It was over. It was 90 (laughs) seconds. It was over 400 bucks for tickets and it was over. And it's like, I won't do it. I won't leave. Get your own hot dog. Do that. That's why I don't pay for you. (laughs) Right. Exactly. 
but you're, you're right. It's coming in with that level of commitment. And you talked about confidence. And as you say, confidence is built. So even if you don't have it, right. because when you started your speaking career or you started out in that road, you know, the first few gigs, you're crossing your fingers, but you're doing things that most people don't ever want to do. So I think building confidence is, is huge. Yeah. You're on a mission to motivate people to take the actions needed to overcome feelings of being stuck and sinking in mental quicksand as you define. How do you define mental quicksand? What does that look like and what does it feel like? Man, so I equate it to standing at the door of an opportunity to change things. And that door of opportunity could just be getting up and doing something different that you know is going to change your life. And it doesn't necessarily have to be stepping on stage or being a celebrity. It's just an opportunity to change your life. And rather than doing the thing that you know you need to do, you turn around and go back to the life that you really didn't want to begin with. I'm a big believer that there are two types of people. They're living either the dream life or they're living in a life that they settle in. And by standing at the door of opportunity and letting that mental quicksand start flow through the mind, the negativity, doubt, fear, and worry, worrying about what everybody else is going to think, talking bad about yourself, and just not believing in the possibilities of you succeeding. And then saying, you know what, now is not the right time. I turn around and go back to the life that I didn't want to live and settle in. And so that's what I consider mental quicksand. It's just that the conversations we have inside of here, we allow them to fill our mind and just spiral us down into this this moment where we're stuck and we're just sinking and we go day to day in our grind, not happy, wanting out, but never doing anything to get out. And you talk about that, the way to you phrase it, I think, well, it's a downward spiral. It's that negativity, it's the depression, which leads to depression. And yeah. you've experienced that. Yes, yes. I've, I've been there. I talk about it all the time. A lot of people, I won't, I won't say a lot of people, but I know one individual when I told them I wanted to speak and help people out. And they're like, well, you've never been through anything, but I hide it well. We mask things. And so I hide the fact that I spent a lot of time watching television, going to the liquor store to get my beer and just kind of wallowing in self-pity and just kind of like, well, I'm stuck. I don't know what else to do. My life is never going to change. This is the way it's always going to be. I'm always going to be struggling, robbing Peter and pay Paul, you know, all of these different things. I'm never going to be happy, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't realize the power that I had to change things. And it all starts right here in my mind. And you hear the cliches, if a man can see it, they can start believing it. But right. at some point you got to start seeing it. And I wasn't seeing it. I wasn't even, well, let me say I was seeing it, but I wasn't believing in it. It was kind of like a fantasy. I was 30 years old. Dreams aren't for 30 year olds. That's for kids. You right. know, what? wait a minute, you're going to go out and take the money out of our household to go chase a dream. I can't do that. I got to feed my kids. I got to put a roof over our head. I got to take care of the house and the family. I'm a provider, but I wasn't providing. I was playing short and wasting a lot of time and missing out on opportunities. And what I found was the big thing that hit me was what I was doing my wife was was living in it. My kids were going right. to grow up and start living in it. And that became really important to me because although I never saw myself as a husband, father, let alone a grandfather, I just knew that I wanted to change that cycle where I didn't just accept what life was giving me. And I didn't accept what people thought I should live in. I, I wanted to change that. And so that's why I started to really start chasing my dream and just try to make something different happen. Well, and people judge us by the outset. I know you tell the story of running into a neighbor and talking to one of your neighbors and go ahead and relate that story. You know, my mom says the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Right. And so I came home one day and saw my neighbor out and I said, hey, how you doing? He goes, well, I'm doing all right. We all can't do as good as you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I told him, don't 
let me deceive you because I have things going on too. He talked about his pains and everything. I say, well, well, I have those same things going on as well. And you don't compare them and, and, and say, well, mine is worse than yours, but you let them know I have back pains. I have shoulder pains, knee pains. I have all of these things going on. And the difference is I just refuse to let it keep me shelled up in the house. You know, exactly. I don't want to be laying on a couch just going, oh, it hurts. Oh, I've been there. I don't want to do that. Yeah. You're not a yeah, victim. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what I was encouraging to know. know, Look, man, don't let that stop you. No. Well, there's lots of excuses. My dad said any excuse is a good one if you need one. Yes. And you disempower yourselves when you do that. There's plenty of people who have handicaps or they have special needs. Stephen Hawking, he's in a wheelchair, he talks through a computer. We could go on and on. You could be born with missing limbs, right? some mental incapacities, whatever it is. And everybody's got their stuff and for sure. So what you're saying is, hey, we look at the Facebook, we look at the social media all the time. We see people living these perfect lives. Right. Nobody really has a perfect life. And we go home and we think we're all bummed out and depressed. But at the end of the day, it's the thinking, it's the story we tell ourselves. Yes, it is. It is. And and that talk that you have with yourself on a daily basis is going to determine whether or not you stay stuck where you are or if you find a way to get out. This episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions, featuring ActiveCampaign. Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? ActiveCampaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e-commerce, B2C and B2B companies, gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. ActiveCampaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business, and you can use it to grow yours. You can see why 150,000 plus businesses like yours choose ActiveCampaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can also start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the ActiveCampaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred, How to Outsell the Competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. And now back to my conversation with Eric Collier. You coach a lot. And I know you mentor high school students and help people that way. People who are in a position of they are, they're feeling stuck, whatever. It could be in a marriage. It could right. be in a job. It could be whatever their career choice is. And they're on this hamster wheel. Yes. And they can relate to that feeling of being stuck, doing the same thing every day and getting absolutely nowhere. How do you help people start living more consciously? The key is to get them to take that assessment to really sit and look at where you are. And it happened for me, gentlemen, I met the first time that night, standing in my living room in front of all my friends and then my wife. And he asked me three questions and I had to take an assessment of where I was. He asked me what I had done the last five years of my life that had got me closer to my dreams and goals. I'm like, nothing, because I didn't have any. And then he says, well, if you didn't do anything then, what are you doing now to change things? I wasn't doing anything then. He said, if you keep doing on that same path, doing the same thing you've always done, what do you think your next five, 10 or 15 years are going to look like? And that's when it really hit me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I can't keep doing this, man. There's there's no way I can't keep living like this. And if you really break it down, was it Benjamin Franklin says that people die at the age of 25 and wait to be buried at 75. And that's what happens to us when we're stuck in that mental quicksand mindset that we can't get better. We can't do better. Nothing's ever going to happen for us. And we live like a just a zombie until we're 75 and we pass away. I've had a couple of people that have been near and dear to my heart pass away through COVID. And you're looking at, I'm 50, I just turned 54 and I've got a friend of mine who passed at 49. I got friends who are passing at 51, 52. And you're like, man, and you think about their life. And one of them was talking about, oh, I'm going to start a barbecue. 
Well, he never started his barbecue because he was waiting on the money for the grill. Well, he didn't have the money for the grill because he was partying. He was buying new Jordans. He was doing all these different things. And he never experienced the life outside of our hometown. And so to me, that's not the way to go. There's something better out there, but you've got to really take a look at how you're performing. I always talk about reviewing your game film as an athlete. What's the best way to have an athlete understand that he's really doing the wrong things? Put him on film, right? Show him on film. Yeah. You can see him going, oh boy. Well, we all hate ourselves on film. We're like, oh man, I didn't do that. Yeah, you did. It was me. Yeah, you did. Well, yeah. and our society is so consumer based and we're so focused on image and our egos and everything is built around that versus focusing on what's really important to you. We focus on things to that are we think are going to make us happy right. and to make strangers like us we don't even care about right. versus ourselves. And so once you can get that maturity, and I think that maybe comes with youth a little bit. At certain stages of life, like I say, when I'm 16 or 17, I was my car. And then when my hair got a little longer at 18, it's like I was my hair. And then <laughs> I was my girlfriend. And then right. I was my, right? So we all identify ourselves at all these stages. And then when you become a dad, the responsibilities change around. And that's the problem. And to your point, like Benjamin Franklin said, you got 40 plus years on the hamster wheel. Yeah. And you're just going, well, I don't know what's next. I've read a lot of the beliefs that are out there. Right. I know the different belief systems, but they're beliefs that we hope that there's something more. Right. But I can tell you I've got hopefully 80 plus years or 70, whatever the number is nowadays. Right. And I want to make the best of that. Yeah. And this always confuses me. But when I talk to audiences, I always ask them, because people ask me, what's the secret to success? And I always say, let me ask you a question. How many books do you read a year? Uh, and I said, and be honest, there's no judgment. Right. And the answers are always one, two. Right. And I said, okay. And I'm talking from dozens of audience members, right? Very right. few people actually read. And on their mobile devices, they have all the wisdom in the world that's ever been is right. accessible on their mobile device. And yet they don't worry about continuous improvement. And yeah. then I said, if I wanted to test you further, I'd ask you, what was the last book you read? And what did you get from it? They can't tell you. Right. And so that tells me that they really haven't found their purpose in life, that they really haven't found what they want to shoot after. Because once you do, and you set that goal and you commit, to use your words, man, that quicksand is not going to hold you down. You're, you're off and running. You're going to figure out how to do it. Yeah. So it's setting those goals, right? Yeah, definitely. And that's where you really start enjoying life. Being in, like I said, being in the arena, that's one of my biggest speeches. I love that, the man in the arena, because that's where it all comes from, being involved. You're created to produce, right? Right. And if your mind's not producing, there's a story that I heard where a man had this monster that he would give all his tasks to do, all of his jobs, right? And the monster would go out and accomplish them, come back, and he did it so fast, he was just driving the man nuts, and the man ran out of tasks to give him. So he went into town and talked to an old wise man to try to figure out how to tame this monster. Wise man wrote some things down, gave him the paper, told him, don't open this up until the monster comes back. So when he goes back to home, the monster comes back. The monster's like, what do you do? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? What can I do? What can I do? And so he opens it up and he starts reading the instructions and he tells the monster, go get a shovel. Goes get a shovel. He says, now dig a hole. He digs a hole. He said, now go get a pole. He said, go get a pole. He said, put that pole in, fill up the hole. And then I want you to start climbing that pole until I need you. And so the monster climbs the pole. He says, when I call you, I need you to go handle that task and then go back to that pole and climb it up and down. And basically what he's telling them is that your mind needs something to do. That monster is your mind and it haunts you all the time. Who is it? John Milton, what he says, the mind can make a heaven of hell or hell of heaven. That's what the mind does for you. And if we don't have anything to focus on, we don't have any tasks to do to really give us a purpose and a meaning in life, we're wasting time. And that mind just drives us down that, like I said, into that mental quicksand.
and we're just stuck. Yeah. And I see it with retirement. I've never been a believer in retirement. I don't believe it. I, n- I never have just automatically. Right. And economically, I put myself in a position where if I wanted to retire, I could. Right. I don't want to. Why would I want to? When I show up to do my job, they introduce me to do my job. <laughs> if I do it well, sometimes I get a standing ovation. And when I get done, I get a check. Yeah. And then I come home and there's a whole bunch of chores for me to do. And any checks involved, I have to write them. Right. And, and no standing ovation. So I'm going, why would I quit and get that up. Right. And, right. I know you can relate. So I think it's purpose, right? We're meant to be productive. And I think you make a good point. We live in a time of instant gratification and convenience. It seems like everyone wants instant results without actually putting in the work. Right. So how can we maintain motivation to work towards those long-term goals? Yeah. I think you got to get in the process and understand one thing. The process takes as long as the process takes. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time and you're going to get in there and you're going to mess some things up. You're not going to do a lot of things right because you're not perfect and you never will be. And so you've got to be able to fight through all of that and understand that through that process, all those mistakes you're making, the flubs, the boops, the bleeps, the blunders, however you want to to say it, those are helping you grow, helping you get better. And I just think that we want it to happen so fast. And I think one of the examples is C.T. Fletcher. He's a champion bodybuilder at one point. And I, I love when they talk about him because he's motivating a lot of people in this world. But they told him, you blew up, you you, you you blew up overnight. And he goes, well, if you want to count the 20 years of work I put on myself to now, then yeah, I blew up overnight. But that's what it takes, right? And, and, and the cool thing too is, like you said, I don't know what's next. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. But I do know that if I'm not in it, right, if I'm not in the arena, it'll never happen for me. But it's in the arena, in the process that you really feel like you're working towards something. I had decided I was going to work out. I decided I was going to do insanity. And that's insane by itself. It is, man. It really kicked my butt. And I couldn't wait till I got through the 60 days. I'm like, I can't wait to see what I look like, blah, blah, blah. This is going to be great. I'm not worried about the t-shirt. I just want to look great. And I got through my 60 days and I went and got my t-shirt and my friends were like, well, what are you going to do next? I'm like, ah, nothing, man. I'm going to take a couple couple months off. I'm good. And then what do you do? You put that weight back on. All back on. And so then you got to start all over. And so what I found is progress is found in the process. And if I stay in the process, I get better. Incremental changes happen. I get better over time. And then that's where I'm happiest at, in the process. In the process. Oh, and the process is what you talk about is self-talk and yes. habits, right? So it's all yeah. about the habits. You use self-talk as a powerful tool for motivation. So how do we start to change that inner voice when self-esteem is low? <laughs> Man, you got to love yourself. I love myself to death. I say, I, I, I use that. I, I love me some me, baby. I love me some me. <laughs> but, you know, I wasn't always like that, but I do. No. I love me some me. I think I'm the greatest of all time. Big fan of Muhammad Ali. Right. But I talk to myself like that, looking at the mirror. How you doing? Let's go today. You know, stand up. Let's move. Let's go. You can't sit down here. You don't want to stay here. So you have to start talking to yourself like that. You got to love you some you. And there's what I believe is there's a puzzle that we're all connecting. And I think we really struggle getting through life thinking that we're just on a path. We're just playing a game. It's all a part of connecting the pieces to our puzzle. And so when we look at the connections that we make and how important they are, the very first one you have to have is you. And when you start connecting with you, who you are, what you want, what you're about, and how you look is how you're designed. That's it. You are who you are. And love you some you, no matter what shape you're in. And as you do that, 
life gets better. You don't start worrying about what other people think of you, what society think you're supposed to look like, how you're supposed to talk and how successful you're supposed to be. You are where you are right now because of the way you've acted before. And so at this point, love who you are and embrace who you are and just start moving. Yeah. There's a great quote in one of your programs about where you are. I'm not going to do it justice like you will, but it's where you were yesterday. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. Where you were yesterday is not going to get you to where you need to be tomorrow. One of my favorite is that you can't play at a level 10 if you haven't walked through level one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right, eight, nine. Right, right, right. And you can't solve level 10 problems at a level two mindset. Yeah. And we all have negative self-talk too. Like I'll do something and I'll go, oh, idiot. And then I, yeah. oh, no. So self-talk is important, but it's running what to say. Do you ever use like I am statements at all? Or, oh, yeah. you know, like I do every morning at workout, I have a routine and I have about 30 I am statements that I go through. Wow. And they're just positive affirmations. Yeah. It might be, I am productive. Uh, I'm kind. I am a good listener. I am whatever it's going to be or something specifically I'm going to work on because the mind doesn't know we're hearing it. And that's why we use the words. I am not Hey, Michael, you need to do this It's I am. And whatever that is. And I, I tell people, I go, if that sounds like voodoo, try it because it's the voodoo you do that will make a difference. Yes. Right. And try it for a week or two and just watch what that does to your mental state. Yes. I, I totally agree with you. It helped me get comfortable in an environment where people were nice. People were positive and they were focusing on dreams and was so uncomfortable, but I started learning that this is the way to go, right? (laughs) This is the way you feel so much better. And I think you really inside, you're not feeling well when you don't feel great about yourself. You start aging quicker. It's just so many different things. You see people, what I call them, wall walkers. They're walking walking down the hall, (laughs) just looking down at their toes and they're not, and they are. But I walk by and I say hello to everybody because I really want them to really be able to let that pressure off of themselves, to feel better about themselves and really talk about the things that they love. Because I think the more you get people to really open up and come out of that shell, they really start experiencing happiness. Yeah. And you'll engage people, you engage strangers. And I think that's a good practice because that's a good place to start trying to lift them up wherever they are. We never know what they're going through. We see people and we think, oh, they got a great life. And you don't know that maybe they lost a loved one that morning. Right. Or they just lost their job. It's how we react to things, isn't it? It's yeah. always, and that's our choice. That's yeah. always our choice. Yes. Yeah. We wake up every day with a choice. Am I going to sit here and stay in this trauma of worry, fear, and doubt? Or am I going to get out of it? Am I going to go out and do something? I talked to people during the COVID timeframe where they were like, I, I just can't be at home with myself. I'm like, why? Because they, they're not happy. And they start thinking about all the negative things about themselves and all the negative things that are going on in their lives and how bad things are. And they don't even think about the possibilities of things that will become if they just change that mindset or change what they're doing, you know? Well, that's stuck in the quagmire of mediocrity. They're just stuck. Like, I don't know if I have a tomorrow. I'm always happy every day I wake up. Right. And so that's the first, that's the woohoo of the day. And I'm a 5 a.m. guy. So I'm up at it and go and, you know, I should get my exercising because that gets the endorphins going and it starts my attitude to where I don't feel like it most days. I'm like you, I ache in places I didn't think it was possible to ache, but (laughs) it's the way it is. But once I get going, I'm always glad I did it. But I know if today was my last day, I'm going to be eating what I want to be eating today. I'm going to be talking to who I want to talk to today. I'm going to be nice to everybody. I want to where I'm missed. So when I leave this planet, hey, I miss that guy and making a splash or a difference, right? Right. What's the most unhelpful or unproductive thing we can do when we're trying to make a change in our life or in our workplace? The most unproductive thing we can do. What hurts us? Unproductive thing I think I did was just kind of what I call analysis paralysis, you know, 
It's kind of like you get to the starting line and you never get in the blocks. You never do anything. You play baseball standing at the plate and you got a bat in your hand that can change things and you're not even swinging at all. You're just watching. Right. I think that's the worst thing you can do is just sit there and just not take your shot. You know, I'm not ready yet. It's not time. I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm the worst. That, that stuff right there holds you back so, so much. And then I think another thing is, Believing that you're finished going out. Think about that. You go out and you get your college degree, your high school diploma, your college degree. And most people's mindset is I've got a great job. I've got a house. I got a family. I'm done. All I need to do is ride this out and yeah. retire. And that's where you really lose things. And like you said, I, I like what you said. You said, I don't know what's next. I'm not done yet. You know, you keep going because why retire, right? When you right, retire, exactly. think about that mindset. I'm going to retire. That means I'm just going to go sit down. I'm done. And you're not done. Why no. retire? No, we yeah. need to do something. Matter of fact, I saw one stat, the average executive is dead 36 months after retirement. So I'm thinking, no. oh, okay, no retirement for me. There you go. Uh, I don't have to talk to an actuary over that one. We have leaders and things that are well in their 78, but so what? Good for them. Whether you like them or not, doesn't matter. They're still working and they're staying active and they don't have to. Right. And I think that's the secret. The problem is, is people get stuck, like you say, in that 40 year span of treadmilling it and they're going from one thing to the next and they're just biding their time. Yeah. And you raise a good point. What do you think so many people people are playing it small. Do you think it's a comfort level issue or is it a fear of greatness and success or something else? Well, I think it's a part of conditioning, right? I think there as well, because you come from a certain environment, because you look like you do, because you're economically, you know, your family's finances were a certain level and they're doing one thing. I always talk about when I got out of the military and I was offered a job for $50,000, I'm like, cool, my parents have never made that. I don't know anybody back home who's ever made that. This is great. And then I'm around people who are making six figures and they're talking 200,000 in some cases. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on a second. How come I can't make that? And so it's the belief that you could possibly do that being in environments where people are doing that. And I think that's important. You know, yeah. if you don't see it, if you're not around it, how can you do it? Right. It's possible, but you've got to put yourself in those situations. You I look at when I, came to, when I came to, yeah, I came to DC and I, I got out of the car with my cousin in this neighborhood where everybody looked like me. And I'm looking at these houses, $250,000, $300,000 houses at the time. And I'm thinking nobody in my town has ever done. There's got to be some opportunity here. And so you got to be exposed to those things. And that's what we work on with the high school students as well. Just trying to get them introduced to opportunities and skill sets and the fact that you can come from anywhere in this world to be able to live what you want to live. So just yep. the exposure. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm delighted that you're spending a lot of your energy with the high school students in your program, because these are things that should be taught in school, mental toughness, mental durability, yeah. resilience, how to handle your finances, what's really important, what is it? We all want the latest logos, or right. I need these Air Jordans, like you say, or I got to have the Rolex, or I got to have the Tesla, or I got to have the car. Right. And you're not living your life for somebody else, Have people who you don't even know think you're cool. Right. And if you can drop that, if you can drop that need for that, all of a sudden it changes everything. Thing, right. And just be yeah. who you are. Like some of the best people in the world that are the best quality people in the world don't have a thing. And then what are you going to do? You build up all this wealth and then you hand it off to your children. I worked for some of uh, Warren Buffett's companies in the past and he won't give any of his kids or grandkids a bunch of money. He gives them a right. four-year ride scholarship. That's it. He could write them checks for a hundred million dollars and they're not doing it. He always said, and I love this quote, food always tastes best when you're hungry. Yeah. And he goes, you want to be hungry. 
And when you were building your career, you came out of the military and you're starting off in your first gig, you go celebrate. Hey, honey, we're in McDonald's or we're, we're going to buy a pizza tonight. Woohoo. More <laughs> mac and cheese for us. We're going big time. Th those are the wins that matter, right? Those yeah. are the wins that make a, a difference for us. Yeah. And then it builds our fortitude, our resilience. And so when crap happens, it's how you look at it. And if you're optimistic naturally, that goes a long way. But yes. a lot of people just don't know how to handle that. And I think sometimes fear of success is stopping people too, don't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's those things I have to give up, the things I have to give up. And that, that's huge because yeah. a lot of people have to give up this comfort zone to step outside of it and start doing bigger and better things. I have to perform now. I have to actually quit talking about it and actually be about it. I think if you look at it too, right, you started a movement when you decided you weren't going to continue on that path with being a doctor, right? You start a movement and that's what it's really about. You're starting a movement into changes in the cycle, right? So you're going to be the first one in most families, right? So you've mm -hmm. got to step out there and do something and you're not going to operate like your mom and dad did. I always talk about how my dad would freak out. Yeah, dad, I'm, I'm going to leave this company. I'm going to go to another. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. What are you doing? You're supposed to stay right. there. Well, you know, what? My dad stayed with a company for 42 years. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, we don't roll like that no more, dad. That's not happening. No. But you're doing something different. You're starting a movement and you're starting a movement. You're going to leave things behind. The mindset you're going to be leaving behind. Some of the people you're not going to spend much time with anymore. Some of them you're not going to spend any time with because they're not going anywhere. And even, you don't even know really, you have an idea of what success looks like, but you don't really know what it is, especially if you understand that you're in the process for life, right? I've considered myself under construction for life. I'm never going to be done. Right. Even like what Nick Saban says, it's tough to teach the king of the mountain that he's got work to do, right? right? Because when you're at the top of the mountain, you're at the bottom of another mountain that you got to climb. And so in that mindset, you're never done. Success that you think it's supposed to look like when you get there, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be something totally different. And something I tell my daughter, 15 years old, she knew that she wanted to bake. And so I just encouraged her to bake, 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 do your thing, do your thing. And I watched her through all her struggles. COVID hit, she decided she's going to start baking at home. Now she's 30 years old. She's going to open up her own bakery. And I was sitting, I talked to her. She said, Dad, I love what I do. She said, but I don't know if I want to keep doing this. I said, that's great. I said, you just chase your dream and you take it as far as you think it should take you. And then you start another path and you just keep going somewhere else. And so there's changes, there's horrors of, of the unknowns that are out there, but don't let it stop you. Right. No, I love that. Start your own movement. That's a good one. It's a good highlight. And you taught your kids and you support them and validate them. You and I, the generations, we had maybe five to eight careers in our lifetime and possibilities. Today's young people and people listening, you're going to a dozen to 15. Yeah. And your kids are being born are going to work for companies that don't exist yet and with technologies that don't even exist yet. Right. So it's really about the adaptability. It's about our resilience. It's about having the foundational skills to, hey, take whatever comes your way, right? right. And come along. And speaking of that, you've had some coaches and mentors that have helped you along your path. What's the impact of having someone else believe in you? It's big when you don't have the confidence in yourself that somebody else is believing in you. And I like what Les Brown says. He said, well, his mentor told him, just believe in my belief in you until yours kicks in. And that's what you have to do. You know, um, the things that we tell ourselves, the things that we've been told growing up about how smart we were, how talented we are and what we would be able to accomplish and what job we should go get. That stuff sinks in, but you don't have to cave into it. 
You don't have to go along with it and make them right. Make yourself right. And I think that's important. And so having coaches who believe in you, coaches that'll help guide you along the way, coaches that say, look, over here is mental quicksand. If you start thinking that way, you're going to find yourself that way. But here's how to get out of it. And I think that's important, right? We say, but they don't say, look, don't come over here. They're going to look, you're going to come over here. Like you said earlier, we all go through it. There's no straight path to success. No escaping and, and, it. Yeah. So coaches can help you. They can provide you the information. Like we can put together a game plan, but you have to execute it. And something I found with my other daughter, my oldest daughter, I kept telling her, look, I'm giving you this information because I don't want you to fail. She, goes, she looked at me and said, well, maybe I want to fail. And it stopped me. And I paused for a second. I go, you have a point. I'm, I'm wrong. Right. I did not want you to fail. I should let you fail. Go fail. Go <laughs> fail quickly and get on with it. Yeah, yeah. Just I, just don't want to, I just don't want to finance your failures. Yeah. Right. But my job <laughs> is to let you know I'm here to support you. Right. And that's what I do. I'm awesome. here to help you when you have a problem. I'm not going to give you money to solve the problem. We'll talk it through and figure things out. And that's the big thing about a coach. You have somebody that's on your side. They're not going to save you. It's going to help guide you. They're going to let you vent sometimes. And the more you vent, you start getting the answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, well put. We all have blind spots yeah. and we need somebody to look at those blind spots. We do, which brings me up to our point. We do motivation by our, the nature of our work and we try and inspire people to do it. And we're very purposeful with what we do. Who motivates the motivator? Who motivates you? Wow. That's interesting. You know, I always talk about, I'm a big family man. My parents split when I was four. I always wanted them to get back together. They didn't. And, and that, that's cool. That's great. Right. We went through the blended families and all that stuff. And my parents, my brother and my sister and I, we've always been really close. And it's over the time where we've still always watched our parents and just kind of learn from them. But sitting and talking over these last few years with my parents and learning the mindset that they were in during those time frames where we were struggling and, and relationship-wise, financial sure. and all this stuff, they were struggling with themselves. And so sitting and finding out those things and learning more about them and how they operated and knowing their stories, they really motivate me. They motivate me. Then talking about my brother, who big athlete at one point, got a scholarship to play college football. But as he got older, he struggles with iritis, but he doesn't let it stop him. Most people go, oh my gosh, no, the dude, he still drives to this day. I'm like, wait a minute, what Right. But it doesn't let it stop. And my sister, who was sexually assaulted and gone through drug abuse and all these other things, raising three kids and now running a daycare, they inspire me because it just reminds me, man, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you go through. It's all about how you look at things and when you're going to decide that today I'm getting up and I'm getting out. Well, that's it. And you get knocked down in round four, you can decide to lay down there and throw in the towel, or you can get up and start punching again, right? It doesn't mean we don't go through it. We have moments. I remember when the pandemic hit, I lost all my gigs for the rest of the year, right? Everything just went. And I've been doing this for over a couple of decades. All the worries that go with it. My wife was in a different country than I was. They're looking at locking the borders down. Who knows what's going on, right? The world. I cried for a week and like, literally, it was like, it was nerve wracking, anxiety. I'm going, man, what are we going to do? here and then it was like all right i I can't control this anymore and so let it go move on what can i control what can i do and just focus on that and man what a difference that makes right and that's what motivates the motivators is it's the stories and we're sharing we're on journeys just like the people we speak to and train and we mentor and we coach like you said we get our strength from them seeing them succeed Right. And it keeps us focused on that too, on helping. We're coming from contribution. We want right. to help them, right? And yeah. truly. So, oh, good. Well, thanks for sharing that. Let me ask you this question, kind of the last question. We all have superpowers. 
You definitely have. And what would you say your superpower is? What's the, you can brag here. Like what, what is Eric just amazing at? And you call them gifts. You refer to them as gifts. I call them superpowers. Same difference. Yeah. What's your gift? What's your superpower? I go with my smile and my ability to connect with people. I, I just, I love people. And so I want to learn about people. I want to talk to them, want to see what makes them tick. And that's what really helps me connect to people that most people won't connect with. And I love walking down the hall or walking somewhere and people are like looking at you and they won't speak and you just speak to them and just changes the game. And so my superpower, I think, is just the ability to connect with people and to really get them to talk about who they are and some of their deep thoughts and so and learn a little bit about them. So I think that's my my gift there. Excellent. You kind of remind me of, there was a great motivational speaker, a fellow by the name of, I met him years ago, Harley Tremendous Jones. And if you get a chance, check him out. <laughs> okay. He'll get onto an elevator and that's packed and he faces everybody. And he's six foot four. He's a huge man. And he just gets in and he looks at everybody and he says, Hey, I'm Charlie Tremendous Jones. He starts shaking hands. Nice to meet y'all. Tell me about you. What's going We got 30 stories. We're going up, What's your right. story. I love and it. he just engages in that takes courage to do that, it but does. it's like a muscle. You got to practice it. Right. Yeah. So that's your superpower. What's the kryptonite? What's the thing that Eric still maybe struggles with that you have to work on every day? Cause we're not perfect. Right. What would you say your kryptonite is? What's the thing that, oh, this, this is a tough one for me. What would you say it is? Outside of chocolate and cake and cookies. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. My wife's <laughs> cookies, man. Yeah. You named them all. Actually, you got all top three. But yeah. Get up every day. And like you said, you have those days where you just don't know which way to go. You're like, man, I've been spinning my wheels. But it's it's in that. We all have that, yeah. I can't quit. It's not yeah. in me. I, I can't quit. Yeah. I can't. There's no way I want to go back to what I was. There's no. no way that I want my family to now go. I knew you weren't going to do it. You you started everything <laughs> and you stopped. That's no more right. what I want to do. But there are people's lives who I've connected with now that I'm helping and they're helping me because I'm learning from them as well. And so those those moments where I just say, you know what, I'm going to take the day off. I'm going I'm to relax. I'm not going to do anything. It's hard for me to do. But those rejuvenation days are important. And then you wake up the next day and you're going, all right, this is good. It's yeah. There's the old adage, and this too shall pass. And it goes for good times and bad times, I think. Yes. And there's times we're not always up. And there's times I'm bummed out too. And I usually turn to my friends when I say my friends, my books and, or, and you talk about music too. I throw on some tunes, same thing. And how do you not get in a mood? You throw on some good music and get some good stuff going. So depending on the mood and just focus on that and take care of myself. So I'll medicate that way. I'll medicate with reading, with books, with song, things that are positive and upbeat. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, you know what? I wouldn't trade with anybody else. Who do you want to trade with? And most people don't. So it starts with gratitude in the morning and gratefulness. And then I am this and then go hit it, hit it running. Cause one day you're not getting up and until that time, you know, one day the towel does get thrown in and they carry you off. Right. So your choice, your call. Hey, Eric Collier, this was absolutely a treat. Our audience can always use your vibe and you inject some great, well, it's just you. It's who you are as an individual mayor of motivation, international keynote speaker, two times international bestselling author and mentor coach. How do people, what's the best place for them to get hold of you? Best place to get hold of me that one woman of shift dot com and also see eric collier at gmail.com that's the best place and we'll put or all you that can check in. me out on tiktok see eric collier instagram see eric collier yeah you're all over that man i had a great time watching <laughs> those you do a good job of those things thank you so we'll have all that in the show notes and stuff eric it was a pleasure thank you for the opportunity to be here this podcast is created and associated with summit media my production team is best smith and kendra vickers The fee for the show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting.